Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the next instalment of the DNA podcast. Been a little while since we've all spoken to one another, or that makes no sense at all, does it? It's been a while since I've spoken to you guys. That's what I was meant to say. Wow, what a start. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, wow, loads has been going on since since uh, I last obviously spoke on the podcast. Our last one being with Nicky Mills, of course and all of his antics catching absolute giants from here, there and everywhere. And there's many stories to come from him as well, which we will no doubt get back onto the podcast. Little bit of a recap one on this one. Later up in the show, we've got Roger Bacon again. Wanted to go over that rig that he uses a little bit more in detail. So I met up with Roger on the banks of Grenville, where he has been smashing them lately as he does on on many of the venues that Roger fishes and yeah catch up with him speak a little bit more in detail about that rig that we spoke about on the last podcast a little bit more in detail of how to tie it etc because we've had plenty of messages from you guys wanting to know a little bit more about that rig and uh, some of the hook hole we got some like hook hold photos from him as well as obviously the rig photo which we'll post up on our social media once this comes out so you can all have a look at it a little bit more detail in detail so what have i been up to well I've had a couple of trips, so uh, first off being, oh well, got out with Ian McMillan not so long ago, which was nice to see him again, shot a little video over a couple of days, like I say, nice to see him, he is currently at Pascal's Lake at the moment over in France, spoke to him this morning, he's at the end of his two week trip, and yeah, he's done alright, he's done alright over there, I think he's had nine fish, uh, up to £69 as well, absolute giant, lovely, lovely juggling. I've not seen any photos as of yet from from Ian, but, but he's in great spirits. He's had a lovely trip out there and he's caught some beautiful carp as well. So yeah, really good to hear all of his antics sort of out there as well. Uh, for myself... Uh, I've obviously I've been fishing the island lake this year, which uh, some of you guys may know about, and I've obviously had the lucky opportunity to be using the bug all this year, and I've been basically sort of filming all my sort of sessions over there for a film to come out on the Fox YouTube channel, a new Edges series that we're doing. And that film has just gone live as well for any of you guys that, you know, like to listen to my waffle and what have you. Uh, Bradley, the cameraman that has put an amazing film together, the shots that he's got and the way he's put the film together, absolutely mega great skills from Bradley on that. And yeah, well worth a watch. If you'd like to see, you know, my, my sort of antics using the bug all this year, you know, I've been, I've been lucky enough to be testing it for quite some time now, and uh, which we're still doing at the moment. 
No, we haven't got a, a release date as of yet. Maybe this year, maybe next year. You know, it's one of them guys. I'm really sorry. I can't give you a specific date of when that bait's coming out, but it will 100% be well worth the wait, let me tell you. Uh, so yeah, whilst using that on the Island Lake, caught some beautiful fish over there and uh, I've had some really, really good trips. And like I say, Brad has just put sort of some of my GoPro stuff together that I've been filming whilst fishing over there. He come out with me for a few days to sort of like put an in session together along with what I've been up to for the year. And uh, yeah, he's done a fantastic job on it. Great skills, Bradders. Well done on that one, mate. And uh, so, yeah, that's something for you guys to go and watch. As well as that, I've obviously been out to Rainbow. So I had a two week trip back in Peg 17. Thoroughly looking forward to it, as I always do out there. And again, I took a load of the bug with me. I took an absolute mountain of bug with me, to be honest. Peg 17, 18, you, it's, it's, them two swims are swims that you just feel like you need to put bait in there to sort of drag them fish out from the snags, to sort of vision it for you guys that haven't seen it, don't know about them sort of swims at Rainbow. You've got an island that you fish up to, which I would say is about 100, maybe 120 yards out, and you've sort of got trees that are falling in towards you as you're stood from the bank and you're visioning over sort of thing. Trees that are falling in towards you, and they sort of hover in... There's some, some areas is 22 foot, some areas 30 foot, some areas, you know, and it sort of goes up to the uh, marginal shelf, and you can you, you imagine all them giants just sat in the back of them snags, and... I feel that the way to get them out of them, you know, being in the back of them snags, where you can't fish for them because it's hell on earth in there, but to get drag them out from there into the deep water where you've got your rigs placed, baiting them, you know, drag them out with bait. And uh, and that's why I tend to take a fair amount out there with me and, uh, and do exactly that. And yeah, an, an amazing trip, to be honest. It was... It wasn't as productive as the year before when I took the switch in SLK, but the lakes changed a little bit in the fact that one of the prolific swims, Peg 21, was shut. And that had a lot of fish gathered up in there. By now, they've taken a hammer in throughout the spring. They tend to get in there in the spring. It's quite a shallow swim, Peg 21. They tend to get in there in the spring because that's where they head for their spawning antics. And then they get an absolute smacking in there. And then they tend to go back to their usual haunts. And, and one of them being 17, 18, you know, it's a very snaggy area that them two swims. So the fish tend to reside back in those swims. And you've always feel like you've got 70 pounders in front of you. You know, nine times out of 10, there's sort of four 70 pounders that caught, get caught regular out of 17, 18. And you always feel like that they're there. So, so, you know, with that in mind, you're absolutely buzzing before you get there, of course, like you always would be going to a wonderful lake like Rainbow. So once I got, got into the swim, I'd heard that the fish uh, it hadn't fished that well, you know. I think the guy that was in before, I think he had six or seven, or was it nine, something like that, you know, not, not big multiple captures that you normally get out of them pegs. So we felt like we were a bit up against it, knowing there was fish obviously still in 21 because it shucks the waters up at the moment. And peg 14 was free as well. And I was seeing fish show, 
behind the islands in 16, sort of 17 looks out, you know, into the open water of 16. I've never seen the fish there before. And they were showing a lot behind there, which I found odd. And I felt like that was because 14 was free. And they were sort of descending that way of a night time. It was always in the evening. You were seeing lots of shows out there. But I managed I managed a couple of giants, a couple of PB, well, uh, well APB common, um, which I, I've had a bit of a nightmare with. Unfortunately, um, one of my me sca me, uh, me digi scales and batteries had run out. I didn't have batteries for them. <clears throat> so I ended up getting my bloody Reuben Eaton scales out. And uh, I put this fish up on the scales and it went 68 pound, 8 ounces. What that'll do? PB common, absolutely buzzing, lovely jubbly. And then it weren't until a week later uh, I had another giant, a big common, and I uh, put it up on the scales and that went 68.4. And I don't know what made me do it, but as I put it on the scales, I thought, oh, 68.4, I thought, I wonder how far these scales actually go. Now, I thought these scales went round to 80. You know, so they sort of go up, you know, the usual Rubens go up round to 60 and then go round, back round again. I thought they went round again so that you could, you know, weigh up to 80 pounds sort of thing. No, no, they went up to 68 pound eight. So I put this fish on, it was 68 pound four, pushed the bloody sling down and it only went four ounces more. So that first one I had the week before was obviously bigger uh, than 68.8. Yeah, absolute schoolboy. I'm oh, what a div. I don't know why I didn't check it. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's one of them, isn't it? You're buzzing around in the swim. You put them up on the scales. You see £68.8 and your little eyes light up, you know? And um, that fish come out... Uh, when did it come out? Uh, I think it was a week after we had left at 71-something. So it was no doubt £70. All that aside, it doesn't matter, does it? You know, I'm lucky enough to be back in them swims next year. So hopefully I can bloody redeem myself. I don't know what it is about them commons in there. They seem to have, like, something always goes bloody wrong. The first big common I had was £65, which I had to put back because I was up in the bloody shower uh, whilst Paul was manning the rods, you sort of, once it gets to the second week, you know what time bite time is, you know your regular bite time, so you can sort of deter what time to go up the bloody shower on the second week when you've been minging all week from not showering. Yeah, and I went up there and, uh, yeah, I, I got back and poured out a 60 bloody five pound common on me rod. I had to put that back, so I obviously didn't play it in, just felt like it didn't count. Um, which some people are disgusted by, let me tell you. But, you know, I just feel like, you know, if you're going to catch a PB, you need to at least reel the bloody thing in, you know. That, a couple of Dutch guys come around, you put fish back without a photograph, you madman, you know. And it was like, mate, I didn't reel it in, you know. So like, oh, it doesn't matter, you put Rod out. I was, excuse the Dutch, I don't know what that accent is, just, you know, it's just one of them. It might sound a bit Dutch, probably not. More, more not, obviously. But um, but yeah, they were they were disgusted that I'd put these this fish back without a photo. I'm like, mate, you know, it's a PB. I've got to at least reel the thing in. And then uh, on the island, we have a, we had another one. We had a sixty. Was it 67, 67, might have been 68, I can't bloody remember now, but uh, me and Paul were sharing a rod on the island, a uh, bit of a rod that goes all the time with little sort of thing, and, um, and yeah, uh, we were sharing this rod, and it went in the morning, 
And Paul's like, your turn. And I was like, no, 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 it's your turn. And he was like, your turn. And we couldn't remember who'd put the rod out the night before. So I'd gone, I'd played this fisher. I can bloody believe it. Absolute giant common. And like I say, 67, 68 pound. And I was going to put that back. Paul's like, you dare put that back without a photo. I said, mate, you know, if we can't decide or remember who put the rod out, we can't claim it. So we had a bit of a, like, selfie photo with it. Didn't claim it. And all the while, I'm thinking, bloody, I've never had a giant common out of here. So I then go and have that common at 68.8 from Rainbow a few weeks back. Of course, the bloody scales had bottomed themselves out, and it was no doubt seventy pound. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe fourth time lucky next year. Let's hope so. But I'm in peg eighteen next year. Thoroughly looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, lucky to have the chance to get back out there to try and redeem myself once again on the common front, sort of thing. But. But yeah, you know, again, an amazing trip. Going back to the trip, used loads of bug, caught lots of fish. I I think I had, did I have 37, Paul had 47, or I had 47, Paul had 57, something like that. We had loads. We had a lot of fish. Um, yeah, plenty of big uns. Paul had 660s, I believe. Uh, I had a couple of 60s, few 50s. 40 pounders, you know, the usual sort of thing. Just an amazing, amazing trip again at the wonderful Rainbow. And like I say, that would have been the first time the bug had ever gone into Rainbow as well. So I was a little bit, you know, dubious going out there with the bug. Bear in mind, I've had a great season on the bug already, using it on the island, of course. So, you know, my confidence is sky high in the bait. But, you know, when you've had them previous trips on a bait, i.e. when I take the switch and SLK, and, you know, you've had it off and you've caught lots of big uns and stuff like that, you're always a bit like, oh, God, you know, why change? You know, I hate change. I don't like change at all. And, uh, and yeah, so going out there, I was a little bit dubious. I'm not going to lie about taking a bug just worried because of you know i know my past results on the other baits and uh and yeah couldn't have gone out there with a better bait i'll be taking that out there throughout the future definitely the bug is my bait now sort of thing you know i really really enjoy um using it it smells fantastic as well it's not like what you would push uh, like got envisioned in your mar- in your nose nostrils mind whatever you know uh, of how it would smell it's because it's because it's named the bug and it's got bug meal in it etc you sort of i visioned it smelling a bit like the slk but it doesn't it's got a very it's almost a bit like a sort of scopexy type smell to it you know it's absolutely beautiful i don't sort of punish jace of exactly what's in the bait he's the guru he's the man he gives me it i go out and use it you know and i've got utmost in confidence in what jace does that whatever he gives me i know he's going to catch me bloody fish so you know i don't try to delve into too much of what's in the bait i just go out and try and get results on it and results is definitely what i've had so yeah once you guys are lucky enough to actually you know get your hands on it once we actually release that bait like i say you will um not only thoroughly enjoy the smell it's a fantastic bait to use and one i'm sure is going to be a good one all year round i'm looking forward to seeing how it gets on this winter as well uh, we did we're using it um, last winter again great results but we've had a few tweaks since then you know obviously it's in it was 
it's been in testing. So throughout the spring, it had a few tweaks done to it. And then we had a little bit more in the sort of summer. And uh, and now we feel like it's it's pretty much there. We just need, you know, obviously more time, go out, make sure that it is, you know, just as good as all our other baits on the range. So, uh, so yeah, using that out there, we got this new test liquid as well, which, oh my God, you could put it on your Sunday roast. Let me tell you, what, don't go doing that once you get your hands on it, of course, but it smells divine, real meaty sort of, almost like that rich, beautiful gravy smell. I just, oh, again, I don't know what goes into it, but that's what I was using for all of my hook baits. I had me, my bollocks rigs inside this new test liquid. And wow, it just smelled absolutely divine. I was lucky as well to have the Bug Hydro Spot Syrup with me, which I was lacing my spots with at the start of the session, something that I like to do when I go out to Rainbow, just to get all that flavour into the sediment and stuff that's down there, you know. I like to, you know, really sort of hot up the spots, pimp the spots with Hydro Wheat when I first get there, and I had the Hydro Spod with me this time round, which I did on all the spots. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to be putting a film together. I've just, funny enough, um, finished the intro for the Rainbow film. Just got to put the rest of it together, etc. Just got a few, uh, you know, editing bits um, on the go at the moment uh, with a few things. So it's taken a little bit of a back burner. But the intro for this next Rainbow video is... I, I think it's probably one of the best intros I've ever made sort of thing. It's... Um, <laughs> It's, it's different. Like all my other rainbow vids, I try to make them as different and as entertaining as possible. And I hope that um, comes across once you all see it. And uh, and yeah, hopefully you all enjoy that vid once that one's done. So so yeah, that's pretty much me up to date. Uh, I've been I've been out again on uh, me. Well, it's not my syndicate. It's a lake that I'm lucky enough to go to once a year. Normally go with my good friend Dean Watson to a lake up in Essex. And uh, unfortunately, he couldn't make it this time round. Uh, he had like uh, trade shows and this and the other to attend to. And he had to look after his wife because she was running a million miles for some bloody marathon thing. Nutter. And he had to look after her. So he's gutted he couldn't come. And, uh, and yeah, that was a thoroughly enjoyable trip. I was a little bit starstruck when I got there as well. You had Bobby Samora was on, on the lake at the time I got there. First time I've met Bobby. I speak to him every now and then sort of on... Uh, on Instagram and uh, yeah he's a very keen angler good angler Bobby is as well and uh, yeah met him for the first time and wow what a f he's just an absolute legend you know and uh, not only in the football side of things he's um, yeah great angler and, and and a thoroughly nice bloke and then um, Noble turned up as well and I'm like oh bloody hell you know I'm just like guys <laughs> these football players about and all that and you got poor old me here in amongst the mix it was uh, quite surreal very starstruck sort of things to follow the football quite a bit and uh and yeah it was wicked to see them two lads over there and I had an amazing trip as well real odd situation I don't know if some of you guys have found this just lately I found it on a few lakes and and talking to friends a lot of the fish at the moment are in very shallow water getting caught from the shallows you sort of you think about the autumn being that, you know, they're going to creep into all the deep water and they're, you know, getting the last of, of you know, the naturals and this, that and the other and, uh, and you know, getting ready for that big feed up that they like to have. And most people tend to, you know, feed the deeper area this time of year. And, um, 
and yeah, I, I ended up finding the fish in no more than a foot and a half of water. It was quite surreal to see. It was unreal. They're, so just to sort of vision the lake, it's a little bit horseshoe sort of shaped, almost kidney bean shaped. And and you've got the shallows up one end and then obviously the deep area up the other. And when I, tur when I first turned up at the pond, I've never seen so many swifts and swallows on a, on a lake before. There was thousands of them you know you get like them starlings in the sky you know that all follow each other at this sort of time of year and you get them mad clouds of them it was like that of all these swifts and swallows down the car park in this deeper end just skimming the surface from this hatch that was going off in the deep water and it was Ah, oh, so surreal to say I've never seen that many on a pond for I'm talking thousands upon thousands you could barely see the opposite bank because there was that many birds on the plate. It was really cool to watch. I don't know why I didn't bloody film it. I was just in so much awe of seeing this amount of swifts and swallows about. It was, it was, yeah, just incredible to see. And I just sort of sat there in awe thinking, right, I'm gonna see a carp just smash itself out of the water at any second. And that didn't happen. I stood there for a while thinking, why haven't I seen anything yet? Very odd. So I thought, well, I'll go and check the shallows anyway. Um, knowing full well that the carp are definitely going to be on this hatch in the deeper water. So I walked up up to the shallows and I got up this huge tree, which I bloody got stuck up. Oh my God. Like there's, uh, there's these wooden blocks that have been screwed into the tree. And as I got to the very last wooden block, it fell off. Oh my, I, I thought, oh, I'll just deal with that, you know, once I try and get down from the tree. And as I'm up the tree, I'm looking about thinking, oh my God, there's no water in the pond. You know, I can, normally it's sort of about three foot deep, these shallows. I'm talking a foot and a half, if you're lucky. I'm sort of stood there thinking, wow, there's just no water up this end of the lake whatsoever. They're not going to be up here, you know. And it was quite cold as well, so you just wouldn't put, like, thought they would be up there. So I'm sort of stood there just looking out thinking, they're not going to be here, they're not going to be here. And about two, three minutes passed, and I'm sort of contemplating to get down from this tree. And then uh, one of my mates phoned me up on the phone. I'm stood up the tree, having a chat with him, saying, yeah, I'm wasting my time up this. Oh, oh, there's one. You know, one has just jumped out, like, in front of the swim, which was just to my right-hand side. Then another one, then another. And I saw four shows. I thought, oh, my God, you know, they're here. So... I tried to get down from this tree and it was an absolute calamity. All the tree had, was covered in the green, this green moss and it sort of angled up. I'm probably about, I don't know, 30 foot high above the water and it's gnarly underneath where I am. You wouldn't want to fall out of it, you're going to hurt yourself. And the tree had all this green moss over it when it just rained as well. It was all slippery. It took me about an hour to get out this poxing tree. Let me tell you, I looked like a right pussy out there. It was funny. You know, one of them moments where I, I remember when I was walking to school one day and I got stuck up a tree and I had to call me mum to come and get me out. That is a true story. And it felt like one of them moments, you know. I thought, oh, for God's sake, I'm going to have to call me mum to travel the wet. No, no, you know, I'd rather fall in that tree i think but um yeah so after i got out of this poxing tree after being stuck up there for ages well funny 
I uh, stood in front of the swim where I saw them four shows and then see another one show just left of it. There's an island out at about sort of 120, 130 yards. Uh, I see one show to the left-hand side of that, then see another one round into the bay to my left. And I spoke to the owner, well, funny enough, it was the owner that had called me whilst I was up the tree of the lake, Scotty Day. And uh, he was like, oh, you know, everyone's been down the other end, the deep end, the, the end that you would presume that a lot of the fish would be. And that's why I thought they were up that in them shallows. You know, I thought, oh, they've been punished up there and they've obviously moved down into these shallows and this is why they're here. So I was very dubious about fishing for them, i.e. casting and stuff like that. I didn't want to scare them back out these shallows. When you're only fishing a foot and a half of water, you know, two foots if you're lucky in areas, I didn't want to go casting at them. So I got me wonderful RT4 out, got me bait boat out, uh, which is something I don't tend to do a lot, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't use bait boats that much, but <clears throat> it's a fantastic bit of kit. And, you know, if you've got it, why not use it? It's not as if I, I can't catch them without it, you know. It's just like I didn't want to scare these bloody fish out of the zone. So I thought a bait boat would be the best way forward. And, uh, yeah, got the rods out via the bait boat and sat there thinking, you know, it's going to happen. And then early hours in the morning, it did happen. I had a bite and unfortunately it fell off absolutely gutting. The lake hadn't done a fish for a week or two prior to this as well. So it was like, ah, damn, you know, I put, I put a fair bit of bug out there, crumb up bug, the new maxi pellet, which is an amazing pellet. I've been using that all this year, uh, that maxi pellet. Yeah, fantastic. And the smells, I, I, I really like it, but everyone else that smells like the crayfish mini mix stuff the maxi mix is just a bigger version of that and it smells just oh beautiful absolutely gorgeous so yeah i'd add that out in the pond but unfortunately lost one and then uh and then yeah it kicked off after that i ended up with triple takes and oh, it was yeah a mental trip uh, biggest fish 37 pound i had a lovely scaly mid 20 scaly little common a couple of little commons and i uh, just a wonderful trip and uh yeah like sort of chatting to bobby some more over sort of whatsapp you know he's doing this i'm doing that you know it was just wicked you know a really really and thoroughly enjoyable trip uh, to be out there and to meet a legend like him just you know icing on the cake sort of thing for that trip thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable definitely so yeah that's that's sort of me up to date with you guys i guess so sorry for rambling on for ages i try not to ramble too much on this to be honest you know because i'm sure most of you guys listen to this to uh to listen to the guests of course so without further ado let's get Roger Bacon on and uh, and yeah a catch up with him like I say on the banks of Grenville and I hope you all enjoy this interview with Roger Bacon. So welcome back to the podcast Roger Bacon how have you been mate? I've not been too bad thanks a yeah, lot. Yeah I see you've been out fishing and what have you quite a bit lately and um, catching a few yeah it's nice. Yeah I've done um yeah, I was on here. I mean, I'm back now on Grenville, you know, mm. my syndicate. Yeah, so setting the scene, yeah, we're obviously Bankside at the minute over at, at Grenville, your syndicate. Yeah, Lovely yeah. place. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, um, yeah, not been, not been back for a couple of weeks. Um, 
been away to Italy actually, managed to grab a little bit of sun, which oh wicked! I'm sure, everyone in the country is um, yeah, dying to have with what's been yeah. going on. Well, was that a bit family holiday? Yeah, just me and the missus. It was a, it was a literally we booked it in the in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, and jumped on the plane at eight o'clock. Right. Same morning. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, because it was like you know we've things getting cancelled, short notice. Yeah. But we'll book it and we'll go straight away. Oh, wicked. So yeah, but that was after um, my previous session on air, which you know um, I'd, I'd quite a few fish on mm. on that session. Um, yeah, because yeah. uh, so last time we spoke would have been well, it was through lockdown, wasn't it? I think we uh, we spoke. Yeah. We spoke about your rig stuff like that, yeah. uh, which we'll delve into a bit later on. So uh, yeah, sort of um, after lockdown, then what sort of happened then? So once this place had reopened, straight back down here, t- weeks trips or what, or was it just you know the odd night here and there? Yeah, well, I was I've, I've been struggling really to um, to get much time out um, shortly after lockdown when we was allowed to start mm. travelling. Um, but obviously, um, early part of the season, I, I fished quite a bit. Well, when I say quite a bit, I probably did four or five sessions on down at um, Oxford Christchurch. Yeah, um, that went great. You know, caught a few fish, some some lovely. Yeah, how some did lo- that go? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I did. Um, I think I did four sessions. Ended up with um, nine carp. Wow. A um, couple of forties. One of them being uh, well-known sort of after common in there. The, mm. the, the, the coat can common. Um, how big was that? That was 42, I think it was 42 and a half. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, it was a really nice fish and, you know, I mean, the Oxford fish, mm. you know, everyone, mm. everyone, everyone likes them. And I got that ticket specifically because it, it's completely different fishing to Grenville. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, everyone knows, um, the, you know, the Lynch Hill complex, it, it's quite busy. Yeah. The fish are tricky. They've been fished for for years, haven't mm. they, you know, so. What was your sort of tactics over there then? When you, it, Was that like your first time ever seeing it or have you done like the day ticket stuff in the past? I or? fished it um, fair few years ago when it was when it was syndicate. Mm. Um, I actually joined it sort of halfway through the last year it was syndicate and um, caught quite a few fish again, quite a few fish on maggots in the winter time. Yep. Um, and I was sort of like, oh God, this is, this is great. You know, how come I've not been here before all these years? And then um, really look forward to more seasons on there. And then it went day ticket. And yeah. um, obviously since then, you know, I've just left it alone. And it's just in this this year that I've gone back there. You know, I managed to get a ticket and go back there. Mm. Um, yeah, so fishing it springtime. I was really looking forward to the challenge of um, of that style of, you know, tricky, tricky fish, riggy fish. You know, um, so yeah, fish there. Um, completely different sort of, you know, you're not using mass baits. You, you, you're finding your spots. Yeah. Um, Finding your spots, putting you know your delicate rigs on it, and yeah, trapping them all. Yeah, trapping them. Yeah, I did yeah. really well on there. Um, I thought I'd just try and go completely different to everybody. Everybody was using you know using the usual particle mix. You know your, your bit of tigers mm. or little, other bits of particle in there. Um, I got onto spoke to Steve, Steve Curry, obviously from DNA, and um, I decided you know what I'm going to give it the pellets. Um, right. Yeah. So I used quite a lot of um, the mini. The, the crayfish mini mix mm, mm. there's quite a lot of that with with chopped worm mixed in, in with it and the fish right. just seemed to respond to it straight away oh, wow. yeah it was really good um and i also rig wise uh, i fished the rig that we discussed previously on, on, yeah. on one of the earlier podcasts um again but just with like a little medusa type worm medusa with a right. with a bit of um foam on it to make it all pop up mm. very slow sinking over weed um, I stayed clear, stayed completely clear of the of the clear spots on there. Oh right, wow. Yeah, I mean, anyone that fishes um, there, you know, you go in any peg, and the, and the locals will say, in this peg, you fish x amount of rats, fourteen, yeah. fourteen rats <laughs> to that tree. It's clear as a bell. 
you know, it's great, and 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 them them spots do do bites. Mm. But I just thought, you know, yeah, you probably will get a bite off that spot eventually when they're having it. Um, but I'm going to try and catch them when they're not having it. You know, when they're just when they're just doing their own little circuits around the lake. So ended up fishing against reed reeded margins over weed really long hook lems hook lems you know two and a half to three and a half foot oh, wow. long right. very very slow sinking just resting on top of the weed and um literally throwing my my um pellet and chopped up worm over the top i could see the fish coming along the margins and um it's just so exciting yeah, fishing amazing. you know you're up a tree you can see the fish coming along you've 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 only just literally minutes ago through your chop worm and pellet in so you've got all the all the smell of the worms mm, and mm. when you chop when you do chop worms up and mix them with mini you know with any sort of pellet really the juices come out of the worm it makes all the pellet go sticky yeah. so it was just really interesting to see i've been just thrown quite a lot in as the fish came through does it sort of go clumpy then does yeah it, so you can sort of almost ground bait yeah exactly that the longer you leave it especially with them pellets the longer you leave it it, it gets quite sticky and you can literally make within 10 minutes you can make a rock hard ball it goes right. really hard and um obviously depending on the depth of the water you can make it harder or softer i just like to i like to throw it in and see it break up on impact yeah sink down very slowly leaving a like a dirty with the worm as well i was actually this soil that the worm came in mm. call it castings don't they yeah the actual castings i was mixing that up with it as well so the fish were coming along the margins of the reeds and the, the, they were literally swimming through a, a muddy cloud you're right yeah, you know, yeah with all sorts of whatever worms i've got in them enzymes and mm. nose and all the rest of it and it, yeah it was really good um i struggled to get the fish the the carp feeding at first but it wasn't until the tench really responded to it and they right. went down right. once the tench got got it got interested the carp just got interested and yeah it turned out to be a really um really really successful method wow yeah. wow yeah amazing so it, it, is that how you caught uh, the cocaine common as that, well seeing that in yeah, the edge and yeah. every, oh wow that yeah, must have been amazing that's exactly um the sessions that i did do i started off in the edge being able to see the fish and once i'd sort of realized it was a successful method and it was picking the odd fish up i then moved it a rod or two off the reeds into deeper water where i couldn't see it yeah. but then applied more bait mm. longer hook lens more bait and that's when i started to get you know started to get quite a few bites oh, amazing yeah amazing. it was really good yeah, really enjoyable job. fishing i've not been back since unfortunately right and it, it is really killing me so um <laughs> yeah i want to try and get back over the next over the next month or two i want to do a bit of time on there yeah you're um, you gonna so I, I spoke to you earlier on and said that you're going to have a you know going to slog it out on grenville for the winter are you going to do any sort of trips over there do you think or no, this winter or do I'm, you think I'm, you're just going to solely think concentrate on this place i'm not sure my priority this this winter you know if, if fishing time becomes a bit limited um definitely grenville is where i'm gonna right is where yeah, i'm gonna concentrate yeah. any limited amount of time you know forget any more time i will i will go over there but it, it, it's busy there's no doubt you know it, the busyness factor is is part of the problem of trying to catch carp consistently on mm. there um but yeah still busy even though it's a syndicate now yeah so it's still busy yeah over it's, there, I take it, yeah, it's, it? it's it's still busy yeah um but you know busy or not it'll do x amount of 100 carp a year and if yeah. you're there fishing then you're gonna get you, you know you are gonna catch some of them yeah exactly that. um but yeah but grenville for winter time i mean grenville's not not at all a busy lake um and it does get it can switch off in the winter you know last mm. last year um it flooded about i think it was mid-december i was actually on and it flooded and it, you know it went up two or three foot 
overnight and that did seem to kill the fishing for the winter yeah a lot Lead of cold water rushing yeah a, a pond, real yeah. lot of cold water and leading up to that point the lake was fishing really well right like it just it, it switched it off it switched it off mainly for the for the bigger fish that that are in here um and after that point you know there was still about 50 fish caught probably through the winter but they were all what what we call any of the stockies that are 15 to 30 pound mm. you know I, st I still came and i still caught a few of them and, and still enjoyed it but i want to try and catch the big ones in the colder yeah, month now yeah 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 i'm yeah. sure so once you sort of finished uh, over on christchurch then so i take it you come over here and that uh, this is where your fishing's been since yeah sort of thing, yeah yeah after after christchurch i mean we all had lockdown and um you know everyone was chomping at the bit once lockdown yeah. once lockdown finished so again it was a you know it was it was kind of busy for grenville i mean these 30 best part of 40 pegs on the lake mm. you know you'll get 15 20 angles on max and that's considered to be busy right um so yeah and and as a consequence because it was you know it, it, there was a few anglers fishing paul was restricting the the sort of time anglers could spend on the bank right. just having to you know try to keep a fair turnover of anglers yeah, so okay, everyone could get yeah, a, yeah. Fair, a fair a fair crack at the whip um so yeah you know i, I fished it i came down for the draw came out not far off last um oh, no, that was a bit really? of a washout oh, you know no. i couldn't get anywhere near where i thought i needed to be and um, so i blanked that session mm. um and then i've probably done i don't know four or five sessions since and and slowly but surely you know i've chose my times you know weather wise i've been quite consistent since really yeah, yeah. yeah so um i know sort of recently uh, how sort of recently was it? A week or two ago? Was it a week or two ago? Um, it was right exactly the session ended exactly 16 days ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So a few weeks ago, a couple yeah, of weeks ago yeah. then. So let's let talk me through that. So you've you've come down. What's your intentions to get in this peg? You know, this peg 18. Was that your intention? You sort of knew where the fish were at this point. You know, to sort of build a. What's the lead up to that session? I think the lead up to that session was it was it was. It was a bit of a change for me really because i have always been and and there's probably anglers that are a little bit old you know that are my sort of age um that are probably similar to me you know we've read the cart books you know through the 80s and i've always been a wind angler i've always followed i've always right. followed yeah, the yeah. wind and i'll tell you especially what, on these big sort of yeah pits as well. you know even more so yeah you know you go to a big pit and you think and it, and it has been the case on most of the big pits i've, mm. I've fished a fresh wind you know more in the summer but even in the winter they can get on it and you expect them to be in an area and they generally are yeah um but grenville grenville has, has bit me in the ass so many times the amount of times i've sat on the wind on here you know i've come down the wind's doing a i don't know say a westerly i know it's going to change overnight to an easterly so i will get on the back of the wind for the first 24 hours put the bait in the wind will change and and it, often they've not turned up you know really? I, I have i have this is probably I've learned so much on this lake as regards to fishing the back of the wind um that you know the fish i've seen them get caught so many times on the back of the wind i've seen them not be on the wind so many times don't get me wrong there is occasions when when they do follow it yeah and, of course and, you yeah, know just yeah. a general but but generally i've sat there i've waited and it's not happened for me so on this particular session the last one you know i could see there was going to be a real strong real strong northerly and i mean even if you get a 15 mile an hour on here, it, mm. it blows. Yeah. You know, because it's so, it's so 70 old. acres of windswept. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really a peg I was thinking about. I just thought, right, I'm not going to go with me sort of natural instinct to, oh, you know, a, a new wind, it's going to be really strong. I'm, I'm going to fish in the teeth of it. But no, I'm not doing that. 
I'm going to get on the back of the wind and I'm, you know, it's going to be very strong. So I know I'll be able to cast probably further than I've ever fished before, mm. you know, use the wind. And um, so that I thought, right, well, this bank that we're on now, I normally come straight over your back. I thought, right, I'll, I'll get on that bank. So I came down, you know, a quick chat to the lads. There was somebody coming out of, out of the peg that I'm in now. And I thought, right, that'll do. I'll jump in there. I'll, I'll, I'll use the wind to go quite far, put quite a lot of bait out and, and, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And what did happen? <laughs> well, yeah, it was um, the first 20 foot. There was literally no indication that, that anything anything sort of crazy was going to happen. It was, right. You know, it was the usual Grenville scenario. There was fish showing at range, a lot of fish showing at range, um, which is normal for Grenville. I mean, I know we're fishing now and, mm. and we're struggling to see fish. Mm. It seems to have switched off. Um, so, yeah, I just got in the peg. I put quite a bit of bait out you know about 15 kilo of bait at a range that i i thought i'd be able to fish throughout the throughout the actual trip itself, throughout the yeah, trip yeah, which yeah. was you know 35 to 38 wraps um put the bait out um and then yeah the first 24 hours i hadn't well i had a bite the first night probably about three o'clock in the morning um a real slow bite real slow fight you know, one of them Typical fish. Bigger. One of them fish mm. that you think, you know, it's bad enough losing it, but it's bad enough losing it, and you've not seen it whatsoever. Mm. You just you'd like to know, don't you? Mm. So yeah, I lost that one after about ten minutes, and um, I was sure it was it, it, it was a good fish. So um, I didn't it just even, just fell off. I'd say. Yeah, it just it, it just oh, fell oh, off. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, I caught it at range. It's in you know it's in deep water, probably twenty six to thirty foot out there. Once I'd once I'd made contact with it, and it, and it, I could just feel it holding ground. You know, I thought, right, well, these deep waters, there's no snags there. It's just a matter of time now before it gets tired and, you know, and, and I land it. And mm. um, I got it probably 50 yards off the bank and, and, it, and it dropped off. Um, oh, yeah. God, that horrible feeling. Absolutely oh, gutted. God. It's probably about, I don't know, three or four of them in my time on Grenville. That right. You never forget them, do you? Mm. Them ones. Yeah, everyone hurts. Yeah, definitely. yeah. So yeah. that's happened a few times where I've not seen the fish and I'm sure I'm sure they, they, they were big. So, yeah, I lost that three o'clock in the morning-ish didn't re-chuck a rod and then um six o'clock you know the next the, in the morning i got another bite um i think it was only a small fish it was probably 15 20 pound and that really was the start of the action because I, I, I caught that fish leaving one rod left in the in the lake obviously i'm up now you know re redoing my rods getting them back out and between six o'clock that morning i think it was half past ten that same the night of the same day, mm. I didn't get three rods in the water. Oh, wow. It just went absolutely mental. Um, you know, it seemed that really, there must have been, there was obviously a lot of fish out there, you know, because because my left hand rod was, you know, 140 yards out and my right hand rod was the same distance, but there must have been 80 yards in between the two of them. Right. And they were all, they were all going, you know, in, in the end, you know, I, I started casting, I started to cast solid bags out there. Um, just, so did you start off with a different? Uh, so you you, yeah. you weren't using solid bags from the get go then. Well, my tactics from the get go was I was going to put quite a bit of bait in, and I was going to use my normal sort of blowback rig that that that, that I always use. Yeah. Um, on two of the rods, and then with the third rod, I was just going to use a solid bag and cast it wherever. Mm. You know, either off the side of the bay or if I saw a fish, it'd be there. You know, just just chuck it about. That was the that that was the plan. And um, yeah, it was just seemed to be out there. I was casting my single, my pop-up rigs, 
straight onto the bait. They were going. I was casting a solid bag left and right of the bait. That was going. They were just they were out there and they were showing at the same time. You mm. know, they, they, they were just. I mean, and the wind was getting. The wind had got strong by this stage. You know, it, was, it started blowing directly away from it, and it did seem the stronger the wind got, the closer the, the fish got. To, the closer right. the fish got to me, mm. and. Um, the more bites I seemed to get, yeah, it was it was absolutely mental. Yeah, didn't you? Was it? I had some ridiculous stat that it was like thirty fish on your first. Was that right? Thirty fish on the first twenty-four hours. Well, not the first twenty-four hours, but once it that, started, yeah, yeah, I think once it started, it, it probably was somewhere in the. I mean, I lost count. I lost count of the fish that I caught, and the only reason I know how many fish. Well, I know it was over a certain number, was because I had a bag. I picked up some leads off this lad that makes leads for me. Mm. And um, there was 35 leads in the bag. Right. And I, I, they were in the van. So I had about six of them on, on the bank. And I used them six. Yeah. And then I had to go to the to the van and pick this bag of 35 leads up. Wow. And um, I went through them. So <laughs> I think it was it was roughly about four. It was 40 plus bites and um, and 40 fish in, wow. in total. Yeah. Unbelievable. So there must have been a few monsters in amongst all of that. And yeah, there was. There was maybe not as many as you would expect on Grenville. Cause, right. Because, you know, I think I had, you know, um, a couple of 40s, you know, eight, seven or eight good 30s, 20s and stockies. There was obviously a big group of, mm. of, of smaller fish out there because it's quite unusual to have that many fish and, and not have more of a larger size. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, you know, I won't complain. No, no, no very nice. Yeah. So I believe this was sort of off. Uh, was it the week after the DNA's boys had been here? So they, Jace, Steve, and Nick, were they on the week before that? Is that right? Am I right in saying that? Because they had a French trip, which I had to cancel obviously because of the quarantine and stuff. Yeah. Things. And I'm not I believe... sure. I think it might have been a couple of weeks after them. Because, oh, right, um, was it? Yeah. Right. I mean, you'd probably know better than me because I, I actually was fishing when, when they were on. They had right. they had a really good session. Yeah, didn't they, didn't they just? Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, they I think, smashed it. Yeah, one of their bit was £57, I yeah. think Nick ended up having. Yeah. All, yeah. all them boys using the bug as well, obviously the new bait that we've all been testing at the moment. And then di didn't they give you bait off of the back of that and that was bait that you used? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, obviously I'm aware of the bug and, and, and it's going to be coming out, but that was the first time really I, I, had, I had a good chance of having a good look at it. Mm. You know, Steve and Jason, the lads were all using it. And of course, with what they caught during their session, I was like, oh God, well, when can I get a bit of that? You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was gagging to get some. And um, luckily they had, I don't know, it was about 20, 20, 25 key left at the end of their session and Jace mm. gave me that. And it was that that I used for that for that session. Right. Well. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what a session to have on on the first yeah. Time well, like you say, you know, it was thirty bites roughly in the first twenty four hours, and then it, it, it slowly did slow down, and then um, you know, it was just consistent after that, mm. which I was more than glad of because you know I was struggling to get food inside, made me yeah, back was hurting. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. But you know, that's Grenville for you. When you know, when you get when you do get fish move over here on this lake, you know, you could have. As daft as it sounds, you could have two, three, four, five hundred carp move into an area, oh, and wow. if you're there, mm. you've got a lot of bait out, or you know, they can wipe you out. And I mean, you probably can't see now, but I've got rods at the back of me here that are ready to cast. Yeah. I, I come to Grenville with six rods. Right. I've got three on three that I'm fishing with now, mm. and before it goes dark tonight, I will have my other three rods. The lines will be coming into the bivvy. They'll be sat in bags here to keep to right. keep dry and get sorted, but yeah, they will yeah. be ready to cast. So when you do get an opportunity like that 
I knew within the first couple of hours once the rod started to go, I thought, you know, oh God, what am I going to do here now? Because this is one of them opportunities where you can knuckle down, mm. sort of man versus carts yeah, type, yeah, type yeah. thing, and and really see what you can, you know, what what you can catch. And I decided to do that. So, you know, I had, you know, whenever the rods were out, I had, I had rods ready to cast. Whenever I landed a rod, luckily Paul, Paul, the owner, was there quite a few times when I was getting the bites, and I was passing him a rod and. While he was sorting that fish out, I was putting the rod back out. Wow. Match, match sort of style yeah, fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, but if you are prepared to do that in them sort of situations, it can be the difference between catching ten fish or maybe thirty fish. Yeah. You know. So yeah, it's. Um, Have you ever had that sort of experience on other sort of waters as well? Have you had um, that at all? Getting the rod out quickly and getting you know no bites and no no. I, I, to be honest, I've never fished a water where I thought it was it was it was needed. Yeah. You know, I've always fished the low stock waters for the one single target fish. So mm. usually once you've got that bite, it's like, oh yep. my God, I've got the fish I want and the rods come in and you, yeah, you go and get bevied. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and celebrate. But yeah. yeah, on Grenville, you know, from from day one when I, when I first started fishing here, you know, I knew the amount of fish in it. I've seen lads get, you know, all the big, big, big yeah. hits. And Is that what's attracted you to this place? Is it the the size of the fish in here, the amount of fish in here, the, the, the looks of the fish? You know, what sort of attracted you to a place like this when you've been sort of singling out them bigger fish sort of thing? It was just, it was just basically, you know, all my life I've fished, I've fished with the target fish. Yeah. You know, the, the Elstow Ones and the St. Ives Lagoon and, you know, for... For them fish and and even though i enjoyed it and at that particular time i had the motivation i had the drive mm. to fish them style of waters but as i've got older bottom line is i like getting runs i like yeah, getting bites yeah, yeah. you know so you know i'll put my name down on, on on the list for the syndicate knowing that you know if you do it right you can get a few bites and at this particular i'm not saying i would never go back to that single yeah single target yeah, fish yeah. you know I, I enjoy it um but at this particular time, I like to get bites and yeah, yeah. enjoying your fishing. Yeah, I'm enjoying my fishing, yeah, doing it that wicked, way. Wicked. Yeah. What is uh, what's the biggest you've had out of here so far? Then is uh, have you got a sort of target on here where you think right, you know, this is it. I'm done now. Is it? Is there a particular target whilst you're here? Have you got to catch twenty fifties before you go. Or? No, not really. I, uh, as I said, I like getting bites. Yeah. So I'm one of them anglers where. I'll just, uh, my style will be to try and get as many bites as possible and whatever comes along while I'm, while I'm right, catching them okay. fish is great for me. I mean, I've had fish up to, I've had fish up to 55 wow. so far out of here Mega. and um, believe it or not, I, I couldn't tell you how many 40s I've had, I've, I've, had, I've had quite a few, I think I've had four or five different 50s out of here. Oh wow, um, that many already. A couple of years ago I had a session, I had a session at the end of the season where I caught 60 fish in, in, in four days. Wow. Again, it was another one of them scenarios mm. where, you know, the fish are there, if you can maximise it. Was that again on, on the back of the wind or was that, um, was that into the wind? Or that was, was um, that was basically the last, the last week of that season, I think it might have been 2018, the last week of that season and it, it, the water was warming up, mm. the fish were getting in the edges, I was fishing long range to still an edge but it was the island the island right. corner so mm -hmm. and um and yeah the fish were just there it was it was quite calm the fish were just wanted to be in that area oh, right, and it. i had loads of bait there and, and, and they were up for it yeah so. wicked wicked so what's your sort of first impressions with the bug then now that you've you know you've managed to get your hands on it and whatnot you know i know you're a bit of a bait guru sort of thing you know what what, what was your first sort of impressions when you first saw the bug smelt the bug and 
and what have you. Different mm. was, 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 was the first thing I thought. It's not what you think it's no. going to smell like, is no. it? No, different, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally clued up as to exactly what's in it, but I believe it's an insect meal. It's yeah. completely different to, to, to what's, what's, what's gone before. Um, yeah, so as I say, I've only used it a couple of times. I keep, I keep my other in Jason and, and Steve, and, <laughs> and I mean, I've even said to you, how long have you been using it? You've been getting it more than me. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah um, they know that from now on, the bug is what I'm going to be using. Mm. You know, uh, you know, we, we spoke about you know the coming winter. That's going to be my tactics in the winter. I'm going to give them the bug and, and yeah, and, and see what happens. Yeah. So you are so you're grueling it out over here this winter in the hope, I suppose, that that river doesn't um, come back in. Here. Is that something that happens every year normally? Or I think I think the, the stream sort of the stream at the back, which is quite a big stream, it does rise obviously with the um, the rainfall. Uh, you know, since I've been here, which is probably six seven years. I've never seen it do that to the extent oh, that it right, did. Right. Um, I mean, most most waters go up six inch or a foot mm. during the course of the mm. winter. Um, hopefully, that doesn't happen again. Because if it does, I'm sure it'll have the same effect and it'll just yeah, kill kill yeah. the fishing stone dead. But mm. besides that, yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, how many fish are in here? These these these. 500 i mean 1500 maybe 2000 carp in here mm. and even though the big ones did go to ground last year with a bit of luck it won't flood and um, they'll still be ticking off and we all know in the winter if you can get it right in winter it can yeah. be it can be easier than summertime you know mm. that if you can get on them the fish starts up in an area then um yeah you know who knows what you could catch have you had any decent winter captures out of here sort of the last sort of six seven years or not really done it much over here in the wind so? i've done them um, I fished it a bit. I fished it, you know, a bit, not a lot. Um, as I say, last year, even though it flooded, I did. I did carry on fishing, and we only caught stockies. Because mm. um, we had quite a mild winter last year. Yeah, didn't we? we had a fairly mild winter. Yeah. But obviously, with that cold water rush that come in, that's, yeah, that, that was the be all and end all of it, I suppose. But yeah, that 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 did kill it. But you know, Grenville has got. It has got track. You know, a track record of, of fishing has late into in, into the winter. You know up to Christmas is common maybe into you know the middle of January depending on the severity of the winter mm. you know if, mm. you know it's, it's a big chunk of water it takes yeah. a long time for it to cool down um, but on the other hand it takes a long time once it has cooled it takes a long time for it to warm up so it, once it switches off whether that's end of December or the end of January February mm. once it switches off it takes a while to warm up but, yeah, but I'm yeah. going to keep plodding on you know you, you know we've got a road right around the lake you can bring the kitchen sink yeah, so you can make yourself comfy so mm. yeah why not yeah does your sort of tactics tend to change much um, winter wise over here to what you've been using you know throughout the sort of spring summer and autumn sort of things that, does that change at all it changes yeah it does change slightly obviously less bait you know yeah I, I do tend to use quite a lot of bait um, by standards of, of, of other anglers um, and all I'll do I'll probably that'll get scaled down I might start crumbing it up right you know yeah, crumbing yeah, it up adding more liquids particles. just trying to make it mm. more of a more of a signal than a the natural food on on, yeah, on, on the yeah. lake bed yeah just scaling everything down um, do you tend to scale your rigs down or anything like that? Do you change that much at all? No, no, I don't tend to. I mean, I, I, maybe slightly. I mean, during the warmer months, even now, you know, I'll, I'll use, I'll use a bigger hook, a bigger pop up, mm. 
obviously in the winter time once it gets harder i'll just use the next size hook down and then yeah. a slightly smaller pop up and and just crumb my bait up add, add the liquids and just try and induce the fish just try mm. and let them know i'm there without giving them too much too much to eat yeah yeah okay yeah, cool so um i mean uh, we spoke about that rig obviously on the last podcast but some people might be listening to this different so just to explain us through this um rig because it's completely different from what most people use yeah yeah um how you sort of stumbled across it and you know the, the reasons why you use it yeah yeah um well it goes back goes back many years um i'll just cover it briefly um when i was fishing wireside lake many years ago that was another situation where um it's quite a few pegs on there where you're literally casting across a corner to to a, to a tree line yeah and this particular peg i was fishing it's called it was called a back-to-back um i was casting across this corner and you could run round, you could um you know just climb across climb out onto a branch throw some bait in and you could see your hook bait it was probably sat in about three or four foot of water yeah and you could see it so while i was doing that this this one time um put a bit of bait in, I could see my hook bait there and before I could get back to my rods there was a, about four or five fish that were coming along the along the margin so I thought oh right well I think I'll stay and I'll watch and I'll, mm. I'll, I'll see what happens so these four or five fish came along and without caution without hesitation as soon as they see in the area they just went straight it was it was like a formation of fighter jets they were coming along and as soon yeah. as they see in the area they just went duff and they just went straight down chomp 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 just started troughing on the area of course, I've got my hook bait there, so I'm like on pins now. Disappear into the fish's mouth, and obviously I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a run. And then as quick as it went in, I just see it fly out, and I was like, oh wow, well, um, that, that's not good. <laughs> so stayed there, and um, the fish, the fish, it didn't show any sort of panic, caution, or anything. It just carried on feeding. So I thought, right, anyway, over the next 10, 15 minutes, I seen all four fish suck the same hook bait in they all blew it out some of them blew it out easier than others mm. you know it went in and out no problem one blew it out and it kind of almost nicked it but it kind of shook its head and righted itself at the same time it straightened the hook length out and then the hook length pulled that pulled the bait out right. so i'm now thinking oh my god what have i got to do if this is what's happening sort of here in front of me you know it's probably obviously happening out in the lake mm. and eventually you know it, the hook bait might have been in 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 the different fish's mouth maybe 10 times eventually one was one got pricked hooked and i got me run mm. landed the fish but that was it that that set you know the wheels in motion the, the thoughts of this is not good you know mm. if we, you know i was that was maybe i call it the the hooking to sucking ratio yeah, yeah you know and i'd probably seen 10 to 15 suckings to the hooking ratio yeah. and i thought well that is not good I, i've got to lower that ratio you know just lowering that ratio is obviously going to put you more fish on the bank yeah of course so i thought right well, well how can i do that and you know no one can invent the perfect rig so if you can just try and you know pull the odds in pull your the favor, odds into your yeah, favor yeah, then, yeah. then then you're going in the right direction yeah so what i did see when they were blowing the bait out was at the time it was a you know the conventional knotless knot with the with the hair coming off the back, mm-hmm. um, no line line, just you know, no silicone, no silicone or nothing. Yeah, yeah. But what I could see when they were blowing it out, the obviously the boilie, which was the the biggest thing in the fish's mouth, that had the most um, resistance. So when the fish was blowing, the the boilie was coming out first, and the actual hair 
was turning the hook round, so the hook was coming out bend first. Right, got you. Obviously, if if, if the hooks are leaving the mouth bend first, the mm. chances of it pricking it are, are non-existent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought, right, well, I'm not going to start trying to make any, you know, new fandangled rig. I'm just going to try and stop the hook from turning round. So when it gets blown out and he's leaving the mouth, it's got to go eye and then point for and then yeah. point. So yeah. it's got more chance of hooking it on the way out. So I thought, right, well, how can I do that? The only way this was pre, this was before, you know, um, the chod rig or In anyone using any, any, anything yeah, like that. Yeah. So at the time, I thought, right, well, what I'll do is to stop, just to stop the hook turning around. I put a stiff section on the back of the hook. And at the time, I think it was amnesia we was using them yep. back in them days. You know, yeah, like twenty-five yep. pound amnesia mm -hmm. was the stiffest material that I had with me. So I did it the opposite way to what you see a lot of people doing it now, where they might have a stiff section with a, a supple section on the end. Yeah, I did it the opposite way. I had a stiff section coming off the hook with a supple section that was going back to the lead clip. And the reason being just for, if you can imagine, that's the fish's mouth and, and yeah, the hook's yeah. on the end of that, it goes in and it just, it, it's got to go come out the same way it goes yeah, in. Yeah, because of the stiff section of the, the stiff amnesia. Section. Yeah, as long yeah. as that stiff section is longer than the diameter of the fish's mouth, mm. it's obviously it can't be turned around. It's yeah. got to go out the same way. Yeah, yeah. So I went home with them thoughts in my head, um, made up these rigs and then we've all done it in the past fill the bath up with water you make yourself a, a simulation cart <laughs> yeah, mouth yeah, with, a, yeah. with a bottle of water and whatever and i put a bit of material around the edge of it and you know the the rigs that i was using that that were getting ejected tried them and they were getting just going in and out in and out in and out eventually one in 20 would hook it and then with this rig that I'd, that, I'd, that i'd made you know it was going down to one in two one in three one in four so i thought oh, well you know that's that's up in the odds yes yeah, yeah, yeah it's better so Next week, I'm back there with these rigs all made up. And I think I've said in previous podcasts, you know, um, same peg, same scenario. Chucked a hook bait out, put my rod on the rest. Got my um, free offerings that I was going to run round and introduce me free offerings from the from the branch where you can see the rig. And as I was walking out the peg, did did did, he was away. So I thought, wow, that's that 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 that's got to be. Mm. One on one hooking to sucking ratio. Yeah, Didn't have yeah. the time to, to, to hook in and to suck it in and blow it yeah. out, you know, that many times. I think that day, you know, I had, I don't know, I had, I had, I had a fair few fish and, yeah. and, and, and it was just, it was great. So that started the train of thought of not not allowing a hook to be turned around in mm -hmm. a fish's mouth. That's mm. the that's the basis of everything that, 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 I, that I use. And eventually, I mean, I've got the ring here that's, yeah. that's made so. up. Even though this is an anti-ejection rig, it has got, you can see the stiff section there. Yeah, so let's explain. So so when you first tie this rig up, what, what's the materials that you need to tie one of these rigs? What's the first thing? Um, well, you need, your, you need your, it's quite hard to explain really. You, it's a whipping knot that's on the hook, that's on the shank of the hook. Yep. Now before I tie that knot, I will just get a piece of, you know, any sort of stiff material mm -hmm. and I will lie it, I will, I will Lie on the back, lie on, on the, the back of the hook, the hook. on the, on the yeah, back of yeah. the shank. It will come through the eye this way, only by about half inch, okay. and there'll be three or four inches going that way. Then I'll do my whipping knot. Yep. Whipping knot. Pull it all down tight. Once that's done, I've now got the stiff material locked onto the back of the hook. Okay. So, so for for explaining this to people, so you start with your hook. You've got supple um, braid here yeah so you're using what materials are stiff though is that mouth trap that's mouth trap, that mouth trap or, or any similar sort or of material yeah any yeah. sort of chop material so you lie 
you would you would poke the stiff material through the eye, through the back of the eye, yeah. and so that it's running parallel with the shank of the hook away from the bend. Yeah, sort of away thing. from the bend by about three or four inches. Whipping knot round round the shank of the hook. Yeah. Back through the eye, so you've got a little bit of stiff material as well as the yeah. supple material yeah. now. So once once your whipping knot is done, you end up with obviously the stiff material on the back of the shank, mm -hmm. three or four inches coming off the bend, going yep. away from the hook, only half inch coming through the eye. Once it's all pulled down, locked tight, I will then blob the 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 bit stiff that's coming material. through the stiff material. Yeah, that's yeah. so almost like the you eye. would with your chard. If yeah, you were to put the exactly that. Sort of thing. I will blob that and then. Blob it flat and then pull it tight into the into in, the eye into the cavity of the eye. Right, got you. Yeah. Once you've done that, I will then just you've got your stiff bristle material coming straight off. I'll 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 bend it back, put my my ring on, and then I will just line it up with the actual hook length and just do an overhand one, two, three, four through it. You've got to use stiff. You've got to use at least twenty pound. Hot length right. material for that because okay. you are putting a knot on your hot length. Right. Do you understand? So obviously you'll you'll lay it all flat. So you've got frit what's that? An inch and a half, maybe two inches of stiff material going back past the eye of the hook. Yeah. Down down the uh, rig material. Yeah, down the hot length, running parallel with the hot length. Yeah, running parallel with the hook length. So you've got a rig ring on there, you've put that on first. Yeah. Put a little rig ring on there first. Yeah, you've got sort of Two inches maybe of um, stiff material and then you're tying a knot and then obviously with with that running parallel with your stiff material mm. I'll then just loop it over loop the, it loop the, uh, the supple material yeah, the, over. the hot level okay. material I will loop it over and then just go I mean at this stage there's still some of this sticking out yeah you know got what you. I mean? okay still some of the stiff material sticking out so I'll loop it over just go through three times pull it all down tight right so that's almost a bit of a grinner sort of knot yeah. you're tying there yeah. aren't you yeah yeah but to as trap i say the stiff material in place yeah to trap right. it now this is where it gets a little bit complicated and it's really only trial and error of tying the rig that that gets it right mm. um once i have done that you've still not got it in the shape you want it so i then pull that real tight pull and the stiff material tight. real tight so it locks down onto the onto, onto the, the knot onto the stiff material it locks down onto it and then I get another, you know, like one of the tools that one of the tools that we use for pulling the your pull hook lens. Tool, yeah. yeah. And I will put that underneath between the hook, and I'll I'll pull that into shape. Right, got you. So you're you're using a puller tool, using a puller into tool. the back of the stiff material to sort of form that almost D section there. Yeah, form running the D parallel section. with the with the rig material yeah but at that stage all i'm really doing is I'm, I'm just getting my correct length that i want now that length can be you know you can have it i can make it real short which i do do if i'm fishing over really really clean really hard okay. bottoms. depends right. on the fishing situation right okay um or i mean in my rig bin i've got i've got some of these rigs that are probably this long what's you know, that sort of uh, Five, yeah, five, 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 inches. five inch. Right, five um, inches of the stiff you know, material. Generally, I'll use that. I'll use that length of rig if um if I can see fish showing in an area. I don't know what's out there. Mm. I'm just casting at showing fish. Right. Um, it'll be a longer hook length. It'll all be very slow sinking. So I'm quite confident. A bit like chod fishing, really. Yeah. So, I'm quite so is that deterring the length of the how much it's popped up off the bottom? Then? Yeah. Where the the stiff material is is what. Uh, yeah, length that will be popped up off yeah, the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So obviously, if, if I'm in a situation where I want to fish it close to the bottom, I've got many made in, in, mm -hmm. in my rig bin. 
I'll, I'll, I'll do it short or I can do it long. Trial and error again, it takes a long time. Right, yeah. You know, um, and then okay. again, once I have, once I have bent it into into position, locked my knot down, it will then get blobbed. And then finally, what I do, there's a few of my mates that do use this rig that don't do this 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 final thing. Some of them just are quite happy to, you know, to bend it back over as it is there mm -hmm. and just like bend it, do it just with the so fingers and get it exactly parallel with the shank of the yeah. hook almost. Yeah. What I tend to do is, is I will get my long, long bait needle. I will grab my, get my glasses on. I'll grab my ring, and then I will. So you're grabbing the, the hook bait ring there. Yeah. yeah, and then I will steam it in that position right, over a kettle. Yeah. Okay. Steam it hot. Yep. I call it setting it. Steam it hot, and as soon as I bring it off the kettle, I blow it, cool right. it right down faster, and then it, I mean, that is not, it's not really the shape I, I would cast that out, but then it will all sit real tight to the hook then. Right, so it's running almost exactly parallel with the shank of the hook, yep. and then down in line with your rig material exactly, as well. Mate. Exactly, mate, yeah. Right. And then, you know, what I do like about it, then you've got the best of both worlds, really, because you've got you've got a blowback rig. Yeah. So obviously, once the fish blows it, 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 it it's goes. It's moving down it the stick back, material. And I mean, you can see yeah. with that particular rig, what is it? An inch, inch and a half mm -hmm. before it hits the bottom of the stiff material. Yeah. So you've got that aspect of it. You've also got the stiffness. So, again, it what we were talking about earlier it can't be turned round in the yeah, mouth yeah the, uh, depending on the size of the fish if I'm going to a water where I don't know the average size is 20 pound I might use one that size if I'm going to a water where maybe abroad or wherever where, where the fish are big mm. you know average is 40 bigger even and the cavity of their mouth is bigger then I'll make that longer so I mean if you've got a fish's mouth like that that can be turned round yeah, if yeah. I've got it twice as long it starts hitting the sides and it can't right so what happens is the fish sucks it in obviously blows it out as it blows out it doesn't allow the hook to be turned around so it can't mm -hmm. it can't come out that way giving you no chance of hooking yeah it has to come out you come know out how high. normally how you would envision yeah. it coming yeah. out the fish has mouth. to come out yeah, that way yeah. so again that's increasing the hooking to sucking ratio yeah. we were talking about um and also another benefit of it is once depending on the size of your hook and the weight of your hook i have fished it before with a little bit of weight on there but if you use i don't know the the stronger hooks that you might use abroad hmm. they've got a bit of weight to them once once the boiler gets past a certain point the hook wants to fall down anyway right yeah so yeah. again that's another benefit to, to 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 catching the fish yeah you know so so you've never had sort of tangibility property so you're looking at that you know the hook bait could could end up fairly like so i'd be paranoid that it may end up sort of trapped the other end you ever ever experienced that with a rig at all it, or ever worried about that at it's all? it's very very rare i mean what what's happened very rarely is you might get that very uh, where very it hooks rarely. into the hook point yeah the boilie's got but into your hook point it literally there, yeah. is not um you know it's not happened to me yet this season right you know it, it's, it's really really rare yeah it is a rig that you know you've got to watch the rig as it flies through the air mm -hmm. you can always if you've got a bit you know if you're a little bit paranoid about how it flies out you can always foam around there yeah, yeah. Um, which I have done again you know if you want to put a bit of foam around it it'll cock it all up this is why sometimes the I use the, the, the supple material I use the really stiff coated one mm -hmm. so then what then what you can get is as the foam melts it will 
hit that bit of the the end bit of supple yeah. because that is super stiff yeah yeah it then hits that and then yeah. kicks it away so you've got a supple like section there by your lead clip then you've got a stiff section of coated braid then yeah. you've got your supple section again so you're you've almost got three sort of different exactly, properties yeah. there yeah. on the rig yeah and this is the this is the the medium suppleness you know i mm. have got some when i'm fishing on really clean ground and i want to i really want to get that kick off yeah. effect yeah, got yeah some super stiff, stiff stuff there which i've been playing around with and yeah it just drops it down pushes it away donk just sets it nice wow wicked well we'll post up another uh, photo obviously for people to sort of have a look at this again on our instagram page as well that's in case we haven't explained it very yeah very yeah, well to me yeah, like it, say, it's, it's, it's fairly not, difficult to it is, explain it is but, quite difficult to but i like it you know i can see you can see straight away why that works and yeah. you know obviously from your own experiences as well um why it works and and it obviously has worked for you is this something that you always chuck out is it we used it sort of with a wafter rather than a popper, no or? no i've not and just in in recent years I, I've, I've really been i've not actually done it yet but i've mm. been thinking about you know wafter pop-up rigs trying to make it just 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 settle down like that yeah it's something that i'm gonna do um as i say i've used it for that long it is my go-to rig for the trickier the water the yeah. harder the water yeah yeah um, I mean, is I'm this not... something that you were using on Christchurch yeah. when you had them fish yeah. and stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, this is this is exactly what you want. And what's what the type of hook hold you're getting? Is it is it exactly where you would want it, just behind the 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 bottom lip, or is it you know you're talking? No, you get. We um, need forceps here to get these out. You, you know? do need. Well, you can do. Yeah, I've, I'll just try and get a picture up quickly for you. Um, yeah, the hook holes that you get. As, Generally, as far as that bait goes back, when the fish sucks it in, mm. what I found with that rig is, as far, you, you can see where the bait goes, because mm. it, it, 50% of the time, it'll go as far as it does go in, and then as soon as the fish tries to reject it, it'll hook it at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, you do get hooks, you know, conventional sort of hook positions in the in the middle of the bottom lip, and, you know, just a half an inch in where you, where you mm. can just use your fingers to... To, to, to get the hook yeah. out but it's but it's quite common for me to get a hook hold where i cannot reach the hook wow you know um i think i might have a picture there I'll... yeah so you know forceps are often needed to um <laughs> to get the hook out which uh, yeah you can't ask more for that can you really from a rig that's you know get getting them sort of hooking properties yeah as uh, i say i've got a picture there and, yeah no you know, we'll, yeah we'll, yeah we'll, which we'll is send we'll up and post, post up, up. Wow, a, a great insight into that rig as well. Now, I'm always really curious about it and something I know that I have to try, especially on a place I'd like to try it on somewhere like Rainbow where I'm sure they're starting to wise up to a lot of the rigs out mm. there. And, you know, some of the fishing can be tough out there. And you're always getting done, aren't you? You know, you are always getting done. So if you can put them uh, a rig like that in your favour, yeah. it's yeah. going to put you more fish well, on the Well, I mean, bank, that's it. it. You know, the first thing you've got to think, are you a believer? Some blokes, some anglers might say, we're not getting done. Mm -hmm. Every time every time my bobbin screams, that's the only time my that, that particular hook bait has been in a fish's mouth. If you believe that, fine. You know, everybody's different. But having seen what I've seen, you know, I'm I'm sure even now with that rig, I'm not getting 100% hooking to sucking ratios. Mm. I, I believe it might be down to two to four, right. but other rigs could be 10 to 20. Mm. You yeah. know, which so, is a massive difference. Which is it? a big it's difference. A, yeah, you so know? you're always putting them percentages your way, aren't you? Using something yeah, like that. Exactly. So you know, if 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 I do go to a water like you know Christchurch at Lynch Hill, 
tricky waters. I love them because you know there's not a lot of people that are using that that style of rig. That, so, yeah, so I think it yeah. gives me a bit of a, a bit of an, an edge. start. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Edge. Wow, amazing. Mm. So moving slightly away from the fishing, uh, you're, I know you're involved with the Northern Angling show and obviously with uh, the current climate and that, you know, what's, what sort of, what's happening for you guys at the moment? Well, um, not a lot really, you know, yeah, Northern Angling show, we've had it for eight years, mm. slow start, you know, there was, there was a lot of people said it wouldn't work in the north. Yeah, the yeah, north I know, yeah, I heard many people saying all that, and I, I always, I always thought, you know, that you guys need the northerners needed a northern yeah, show. Yeah. So you know, I, I take my hat off to you guys for um, yeah. for starting it all. Definitely. So yeah, the Northern Angling Show was um, sort of conceived off the back of me and Jamie did it. Me and Jamie Classic did a, a couple of sort of one night, you know, where you get a carp angler in for the yeah. night at a yeah, ho yeah. hotel function. Mm -hmm. You know, we started doing them. Then we stopped. We did about four or five of them. We stopped, and then. The response from 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 the northwest anglers was, you know, when are you going to do another another one of them one night shows? The great. So we said, look, if we're going to do anything again, let's try and do a carp show like like mm. the carp shows down south. Mm -hmm. We did the research. Two thirds of the rod licenses in the UK are sold north of Birmingham, so we knew the anglers were there. Right. Um, so yeah, we we started the show, lost money the first year. Eventually, it built up. Going back to you know the the last show we did, which was show eight, you know, massive success everything's great and then covid comes along mm. um so yeah we, we we're we're really unsure what's going to happen now because the the venue has been sold oh, um right. yeah yeah the northern angling show the the, the event city mm. has been sold i think the site might might be made into a big hotel spa development site oh right um the this happened two years ago um but, but the event city people they said there was a there's a football sort of indoor football stadium only a quarter of a mile away mm. just near the Trafford Centre again and all plans were in place to to move over there we actually were looking forward to that because it was it was quite close to the Manchester Ship Canal literally within 200 yards so we right. were starting to think about maybe doing something on, on water during the show right, cool. and all the rest of cool. it um, but yeah Covid's come along um, I think we're now officially in a lockdown till March so that that is the end of the show for for mm. our show which is normally normally february and then you know we're just completely unsure you know when will it end when it does end will the companies be interested in in coming will the public be interested in coming yeah, so everything yeah. literally is up in the air mm. um we've got a few plans actually um that i won't go into too no, much but we have yeah, got yeah, a, we have got a few plans and rather than seeing it as a negative you know myself and the lads were were seeing it as maybe it's a time to, to, to change things slightly and, right, and, okay. and, and approach the show the show scene from a different angle right so with it being you know a little bit disappointing that it's not going to be a show next year it's a little bit exciting at the same time for the future and mm. and, and, and what we might what we might change oh right wicked well that's great to hear you know yeah. that you've not just thought right that's it you know done and dusted no. we're not doing any more yeah. and because it'd be a shame to you know for for it for that to completely end and if you've got you know new ideas for it all yeah. and stuff like that, and something a little bit different as well i'm, I'm quite intrigued yeah so yeah i'm sure everyone else will be as well so watch this space watch on this that space, one, i guess yeah, yeah yeah wicked <laughs> roger thanks for your time i know your own personal Personal fishing. I've come round and just punished you. Right, can we do a podcast? Um, mate, it's always great to talk to you and uh, the best of luck with your angling. Yeah, thanks, Mother. And, Cheers, uh, Dave. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thanks.
yeah, another thoroughly enjoyable interview there with the main man, Roger Bacon, an absolute legend, total gen and a carp catching machine for sure. And uh, yeah, it'll be uh, enjoyable to see how he gets on throughout the winter over on Grenville. No doubt he's going to be catching some giants this year if that river that obviously doesn't flood in and sort of puts a, puts a dampener on it sort of thing. So yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing all of his catch reports over on Grenville. Well, so that's us pretty much done. Guys, it would be amazing if you could just leave us a review on iTunes. Um, uh, yeah, just, it literally takes a, a minute, not even a minute, a few seconds. Leave us a review, that would be amazing. I, I do check all of the reviews as well uh, and read all of your comments, obviously. So yeah, if you could leave us a comment, that would be absolutely wicked. The very best of luck to you guys if you're out fishing at the moment. Stay safe, stay well, and we will speak to you all soon.